0: Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast. And if you're watching on video, hello there. we are going to be talking about a very important subject to every business and every entrepreneur and every investor that wants to have a company that grows in revenue and profit in order to reach the milestones as the reason why they invested the to create the wealth the reason why they started their business and necessary to create the kind of positive exit that is required for a return on investment and for the entrepreneur to create the wealth that, that, that was worth all the time and money and, and effort that was and blood, sweat, and tears that were uh, started with the business when they first got in. That's called sales, right? Mm. <laughs> some people, it's a, it, for some people, it's a dirty word. If you're a technician, a technical person an inventor you know it's like selling and people interaction is tough we're going to talk about that with my guest today john clemson he's gonna i'm gonna introduce him just a second he's gonna wave right now uh you know and so sometimes but there are things that a founder can do from the very beginning that sets their organization up for success and then if you find yourself in a position as a company where you're stuck and you're not really growing the way you want, you're not really, as a founder, you're finding that you can't seem to get the right people in the jobs or keep the right people in the jobs. John Clemson, the business generator is going to talk about that today. So let me tell you a little bit about John and then he, we're going to, he's going to take the show away and we're going to have a great conversation. So John is the author of several industry leading books and and audiobooks, he's an international speaker and a Navy veteran. He is the mindful leadership coach, whose motto is your path to the C-suite is all about the language. His company is the Business Generator Inc. where for 21 years he's been providing inspirational management training and coaching for C-suite and sales teams. He's also the podcast host for Your Startup Advisors, so I recommend you find that. And uh, you can also get it at his website, which is Klymshin, his last name is spelled K-L-Y-M-S-H-Y-N.com. His, his clients, a lot of testimonials, they finally call him Coach K, so welcome John, Coach K to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast.
1: Karen, it's a, it's a thrill to be here. And uh, not only do I love the title of your podcast, I, I'm really thrilled in what drew me to you. I'm thrilled to be part of this because what drew me to you was your mindset. And mindset really sets the stage for everything. You were kind enough to quote me there saying that your path to the C-suite is all about the language. When an inventor turns into someone who is a startup founder, then they must grow into being an executive if they want to stay with the company for any period of time. Right. In order for them to have a successful, profitable exit, I slow down and say those words cautiously, carefully, and with as much articulation as I can, a successful, profitable exit means that you need to instill and to frame some leadership in your organization that is going to do exactly what you said earlier. Not only will it attract talent, which is very difficult in any economic environment, you're going to be able to retain talent, and that increases the perceived value of your organization. If you can say, that person started with us, we are three years in, here's our business plan, and here's how we plan to exit, and why we plan to exit. Those people that bring talent, skill, experience, and initiative that can say that we are part of the brain trust and we will stay after the sale, that increases again, and you know this better than anyone, the perceived value of the organization. When, when someone is asked, so how will you grow? We love scaling, not every business is capable of scaling, but how will you grow? Because investors want growth and return. Right. They don't want drama, they don't want long stories, It's kind of like Mark Cuban says on uh, Shark Tank, the longer the backstory, the less I believe in the future of the business. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So how will you grow? Well, we've thought about that. And here's what that organization will look like. And here's how we have attracted and will continue to attract the right people in the right roles. You were kind enough to uh, mention the, the situations and the opportunities I've been fortunate enough to be a part of. And that's exactly what we did. We stuck a stake in the ground. We did something I call <laughs> planting the flag. And we said, we're going to approach sales and this invisible almost ignored profession called sales management. And we are going to do it better than anyone in our industry. And and that was a compelling invitation to me from the vice president of sales of one of the most successful startups of the last 15 years, when when they were running at a, a, a solid profitable rate. He sat me down in a conference room and said, this company is going to have the best sales managers in the world, and you're going to help us create that. Now they run a rate of $3 billion in revenue a year.
0: And that was, can you say? It's called
1: Indeed. It's the single largest job site in the world. They're in India, Brazil, all over Europe, North America, Eurasia. They are in uh, uh, Australia. And when I started with them, they had a 28 person sales team. Now they have 5,700 salespeople. Their their sales leadership event that they do every year. Of course, now it's virtual. It may go back to in person. The first sales leadership event we did, there were ninety people at it. Now there are three hundred and fifty.
0: Wow! Right? Yeah. They do. Uh, yeah. Well, this is the show is not about Indeed, but I, I have a little no. bit of inside knowledge about it because of uh, they have really figured out a way to um, expand their universe, if you will, and engage. And the idea of, of hiring better is something that they help their clients with. And they probably got some of that just within yourself. And so I don't, uh, I don't want I, I to, let's talk about that because I watched one of your videos and I, we might be getting ahead a little bit here, but I just want to, it just seems like a, a good time to talk about it because I thought it was, was um, really important when you talk about, um you're the triangle of of this right yes. and um one of the key points was um the, and i've heard this in other places and i you said it really great it was perfect a sales guy knows how to sell himself in an interview but so much is is looking back at what they've accomplished does not know, does not predict what their potential is in the organization and and that and so talk a little bit about that and then we're gonna go into the whole low churn aspect, which is a whole nother key part of sales and continuity with your customers. So go ahead.
1: Okay. So what you're referring to is something called the sales management triangle. People can find that on YouTube. They can find it on my, my website. Thank you for, for bringing it up. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to make it as, as quote simple as possible. Now, when I say simple, that doesn't mean easy, but what are sales managers all about? They're the three things on the points of those, that triangle. And I'll talk about that in a second. Salespeople are the best interviewers on earth because they are so good at selling themselves. And what I encourage and what I teach and what I coach sales leaders, sales managers, sales directors, VPs of sales, chief revenue officers, is your interview should not be about what the salesperson has done it should be about who the salesperson is, what you want to do. It, resumes are great, find and wonderful i've been a re, I was a recruiter at the beginning of my career, and I work with a lot of staffing companies and every time i 'm at American Staffing Association or National Association of Personnel Services, and I say everyone in this room knows that resumes are eighty two point six two seven percent fiction <laughs> not that people misrepresent themselves. But, you know, a resume is an invitation to an interview. It's not the same thing. And an interview interview is about getting into a conversation where you understand who the person is. And I have two fantastic questions that every organization that has adopted these questions has come back to me and said, coach, you would not believe the answers I've been hearing. And all of a sudden I've got this window in my mind that says now I'm starting to understand who these people are. So one of them is, What are you reading? A salesperson needs to be a learner, not a student. A student will read the book, get the answers, answer the test and move on with their life. A learner will highlight the book, will put post-its in the book, fold pages in the book, (laughs) record themselves reading passages from the book and listen to them when they're getting ready to go to work. A salesperson, a true pro, in sales is a learner. They want the, the recorded video zoom meeting because they, they can't take the notes fast enough because they want to absorb it. So what are you reading? Maybe they'll say, "Are you talking about novels? Are you talking about magazines? Are you talking "You tell me." Because number one, if they respond with a question, that's a stall tactic. Number two, if they immediately start telling you about the two or three things that they're reading, fantastic sign. I don't care if they're reading about Hemi engines. I don't care if they're reading about beekeeping. The fact that they are reading tells me that they are a learner. And then the second one has never failed me in over 20 years. So it's not about generations. It's not about economic conditions. It's about humanity. So when I say earlier that your path to the C-suite is all about the language, the language determines your mindset. Your mindset fuels your intentions, and then your intentions are, are sensed and responded to by the language you craft and deliver. So the question that I love, and, and so many sales leaders that I've given this to love is, what's the toughest thing you've ever done? When people stop and their eyes go off into the distance, they're searching the hard drive for a couple of different things. One how transparent do I want to be? Mm. Two, what do I think they're looking for? Three, how comfortable am I sharing something that was very difficult for me? And I will tell you, Karen, when someone starts talking in half a second about watching one of my parents pass away, or dealing with the loss of this, or the, the transition that I was forced to go through by Situations that were out of my control. No matter what it is, what's the toughest thing you've ever done? Notice that's not about any of the points on the triangle, but what it does is, and I'll, I'll mention the triangle in a moment. What it does is, it provides great clarity for the interviewer
0: yeah. because
1: it tells the interviewer if they can listen, it tells them what's this person all about, right? What's important to them, and what have they been through? That to me, because you know, uh, one of the things that um, I Put on my blog often is true character is revealed when we respond to adversity. Not right. if, because we all respond to it. Some Search. of us may run and hide. Some of us may fight back. Some of us may develop resilience. We all respond to adversity. Right. The question is how we respond to that adversity. Right. So when we are taking an organization to the point where it is time to uh, garner additional funding, more money so that there can be a better return on investment or there can be an exit or both. Starts with attracting and retaining the right people. And then the sales management triangle makes it very simple, not easy, but simple. Because what it does is it provides that thing I mentioned earlier, clarity. When we have clarity, we are not easily distracted. When we have clarity, we know that that's the guitar I'm going to play it six o'clock tonight. It's (laughs) simple, right? Yeah. So the sales management triangle is as follows. Number one, hit quota. I love when people say they're going to blow their quota out. Before you can blow any quota out, how about you hit that number consistently for me? Quarter after quarter. the, The best sales leaders I have seen, when they are asked, what do you think we will do this quarter? Their response is, I'll tell you what I know we will do. And then I'll tell you what I would like to see us do. So they're practical and pragmatic, but they're also visionary. If they can create the right harmony among their folks, then they have a shot at exceeding the quota, but their assignment is to hit the quota. And when they do, and they do it consistently, everybody happy.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs)
1: Right? Hit quota. Second, low churn. Low churn of customers. Low churn of people on the team because every person that leaves that you have to replace, it costs you three times as much to start that person, to onboard that person, to train that person, to prep that person, and to weave them into a team three times as much as keeping someone you already have. Yeah, and,
0: and also, you know, I just want to add, because I see this, when there is a, a situation where, com- where companies have that churn, they lose their, all the goodwill that they have developed, not all of it, but a good chunk of it that they developed with a customer because they got a revolving door on their reps, and the customer is like, what, what's going on with this company? How dysfunctional? And it, when it becomes an opportunity to consider a competitor, they absolutely will. They lose their loyalty to the company,
1: Exactly. Low churn affords you internal and external loyalty. And that, that's something you can take to the bank. That's something you can take to investors. That, that sales director who runs a team of 11 people has been with us for 24 months. Wow. So they have weathered storms. They have hired new people. They have onboarded. They have consistently hit their quota. That's magic. That is one music to the ear of an investor. Absolutely. Oh, well, we set, we set our objectives and we hit them. And they're aggressive because our salespeople want to win. They don't want it coming to them. They're, they are going out after it at a high integrity, highly professional level. Yeah. So the first is hit quota. Second is low churn. And third, no drama. (laughs) We don't want any drama on the sales team. We don't want histrionics. We don't want, oh, well, they did this and I said that. And let's all agree that we are sitting at the adult table. And at the adult table, we take accountability and responsibility and we perform. Sales- Karen, you know this better than anyone. Sales is a performance profession. I love the fact that you hit your quota last year. What are you going to do next?
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit because sometimes a churn comes from that drama and that's a, a toxic culture that a company may make. And that's a whole nother podcast and conversation sure. and stuff. But a lot of times it deals with the compensation systems, and you speak a little bit about this, and i've seen this with in companies that um, I know people that work for or within the my own world as a salespeople, and then they'll manipulate the sales this and it and it, the combination of the compensation system and when somebody goes into management right mm. so they talk about well the sales rep makes more money and there's a different skill set between sales rep and sales management, but also There's egos at the top that can happen. I have a friend who last year worked his thing, brought in significant more business into the business than they had had before, why they hired him, made more money than the general manager. And so then the next year they changed the compensation system. So he wouldn't make as much money as the manager. And and it was, and they weren't getting, I mean, the business was making lots of money, right? But they weren't now, the, now he's changed how he deals with the customers. He doesn't offer them as many perks. It's all measured something else. You know what I mean? And it's like yes. he, he, they hurt their business by trying to limit his ability to make money.
1: Okay. Anytime you're going to limit any opportunity for someone to grow, then your head is not on Right. Every business is going to run into trouble if they, well, we don't want the salespeople making too much money. Then you know what? Then you should be the one sitting in that chair. <laughs> then, and and I, I am unapologetic on this, Karen. Here's the thing. To use a circus analogy, we don't have a lot of <clears throat> circuses in our society anymore, but I'm sure people can look it up and get an idea of what it's all about. In the circus, the lion tamer is much better compensated than the ringmaster.
0: Ah, okay.
1: <laughs> Cuz the lion tamer is putting themselves much more at risk yeah. than the guy in the top hat and the shiny shoes. Yeah. The lion tamer is doing work behind the scenes that no one will ever see. I call it the glorious drudgery of what selling <laughs> is all about. And here's the thing. The second you become jealous or, or indignant about the income of the salesperson, you've lost sight of the purpose of your organization. And the purpose of your organization is not to generate revenue, it's to generate profit. And there is a big difference between those two words, concepts, and experiences. Yeah. I love when, when uh, startups or even companies that are three years and they're in revenue and they say, the purpose of the company is to make money. I'm sorry, no, it's not. It's to generate profit so that you can not only put money in your pockets and the pockets of your employees, but get a return on investment for your investors. Because guess what? They took a risk. They showed up at Vegas with their pockets bulging and they were willing to take a risk on one roll of the dice and that was you. That you could lead and, and this, is, this is the hardest thing for people that have founded companies, to grow, not to grow the organization, to grow in, and say, I am much more interested in directing activities than doing all of the activities. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, well, finish your thought. I want to talk about the founder element of that. Okay.
1: Too. okay. Well, and I think this, this story may feed into it. When, when I was mentoring startups at NYU's business incubator, uh, they, we had, relationship with an organization that had a genius product. I'm talking, wow. Everybody that heard about it was, wow. We got to the point where we had nine employees. I say we, because I was on the board and I was an advisor and I had a, 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 you know, a a ghost equity stake, which meant once they hit a certain amount of revenue, then I would, uh, my equity stake would become real. And then as they grew in profit, it was going to be an ongoing thing for me. The founder, the inventor, of course, named himself CEO. And when we had nine employees, he walked in one day and said to everyone, I need to see every incoming and outgoing email
0: oh, that ever goes oh, on no. in this organization. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I, the person
1: yeah. quit the following week. Two of his engineers walked out the day after.
0: yeah. Right. And there goes the company. And, you know, so let's like that. I I have this phrase that I do when when I'm coaching a startup and is, do you want to be a a poor founder? You want to be a poor CEO or a rich founder? Which Uh, do you want to be? Right. You know, because sometimes you got to get out of your way. And one of the biggest challenges that I even had when I was starting up the, my, my, you know, decade old version of this and when we were doing events and we were doing all these things and my running the angel investor group and a consulting business and all that kind of stuff. And I felt this, but I had a sales coach that said, you know, you have to come up with your sales processes and be able to, you're not the only one that can sell. You got to find people that know how to sell and they will sell what you're selling in your company if you can dock, if you can you know, provide them the tools to be able to do that and the knowledge about what to do that, so you got to get it out of your head because you right. can never grow if you believe that you are the only one that can sell in your company. And, 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 you, and you, you talked about that when we talked about this before the podcast. So explain a little bit about how a, a founder can go from being able to release that control, that fear, because that's really driven by fear, Yes. Right, and how that mindset of what you're talking about, self speak, the language that they use, and how they can move out of that, and also with the with the idea that if an investor is looking at a company, what is something that um that I think you you used a phrase. I think you might have something here. So what is something that what how does an investor identify if that founder is going to be one of those kinds of you know can't can't build a team.
1: Right well I I appreciate that, that you you're quoting from we, when we had a, an earlier conversation I I will assess businesses and I I want to know three things number 1 is it a brilliant idea number 2 is it beautifully realized number 3 can it be sold at a profit and that was my criteria for the the organizations I would mentor at NYU and since and when I when I see that those three things are in harmony not one is dominant but they're all three in harmony then I say I think you might have something here. I'm working with an organization right now that is a brilliant combination of what recruiting is all about and how technology can support the search for qualified candidates. It, it, they're just really, really interesting and I believe they're going to grow. So I do want to do a shout out to those guys. When I believe that you have something here, that means that your, your path to the C-suite, You, like you said, do you want to be a, a, a poor CEO or, or a wealthy founder. Well, the founder needs to be prepared for the fact that once the organization gets to a certain girth, whether it's headcount or revenue or both, when it gets to a certain girth, they get to select how they spend their time. And And the ones that struggle cannot answer me when I say, how do you want to spend your time a year from today?
0: Ah. And if they say,
1: ah, how do you want to spend your time? It's the one on renewable resource. And if you don't have a vision of what you want your day to look like a year from today, you're not thinking strategically. You have a job. Well, if you wanted a job, you could have gone to work for someone else. Yeah. No, I have a vision and I want to create something. Well, then let's do that. And let's make sure you stay the hell out of the way. Right, Exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you, Karen, my cousin built a very successful business importing lenses for security cameras, both for residential and commercial, did extremely well. He got to the point where I said to him, you need to hire a professional manager. He was a monster sales guy. I mean, unbelievable, the deals that he would close with major organizations, but he hated the admin. Well, then release that if you can't trust someone to handle the admin for you and you're trying to do both, you're never going to sleep. And guess what? He didn't. He got to a point where he reached a diminishing return uh, and, and three years later, the business was gone. That's a cr- yeah. is, it, It's a shame because a, a business is a living, breathing entity. And it is a, it is a forum for creativity. And when you can feed people a vision, Here's who we are going to be. Here's why we do it this way. They will jump on. And the people that don't fit, as in uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great book says, the organization will expel the people that don't fit. You as a leader don't need to work to make that happen. When your culture is so solid and robust and exciting, it's going to attract people. And it's going to attract people that will do the things that you should direct as opposed to do.
0: Right. Exactly. Okay. So as we start to wrap up, I want to remind folks to go to com, K-L-Y-M-S-H-Y-N dot com. Yes. And, uh, and of course my website is co. so you can see how I work with entrepreneurs and investors and get access to all the different podcasts and resources I have there and, uh, and get the book. If you're, in the, if you're new to investing and you want to learn how to apply the principles we talked about today, as well as identify opportunities, uh, decide how you mitigate your risk on that, evaluate deals, that's the book to get. So what have we not covered, John, that you want to, to cover? And I mean, I guess, of course, it could be 10 hours. Obviously, you do lots of workshops and things like that on this. But In the next few minutes, uh, what's a gold nugget for folks to take away with? Because you've done, uh, you've delivered a lot of them so far. Thank you. Give me another one.
1: The start thinking as an executive and begin sentences in your mind with, as an executive, I need to be concerned about blank. As an executive, my role with my people is blank. As an executive, the next time I'm sitting in front of an investor that can take us to an entirely new realm, I'm going to talk, act, and comport myself as an executive. As an executive means that you have a concern for the business, you have a heart for your people, Mm. and you have a vision for the future. That combination is, that's dynamite. Yes. Again, sounds simple. Doesn't mean it's easy.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Exactly, exactly. And that, on that note... Great way to wrap this up. I want to tell everybody do that and onwards and upwards. Thank you very much for being on the show today, John. My pleasure, Karen. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about Compassionate Capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the business power tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also Lindio as a, Entrepreneurs Resource Portal, providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Rand Capital Holdings. It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit KarenRance.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors, and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.